Pulse Podcast Network, keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com This is the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TickFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TickFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TickFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-S-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. It's episode 88 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast, and there's a betrayal brewing in the SWBL. Will Pebble Shawnee's rift threaten the relationship with Eaton? What will long-lost Brother Valley View think? And there's a new rivalry awaiting with Twin Valley South and Tri-County North, and a possible reunion with rival Dixie. As the Cross County crumbles... This portion sponsored this week by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app for prop bets. They streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. It's a unique experience that gives the casual sports fan an opportunity to compete and succeed at the high level. Instead of a traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup in just minutes around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you pick 10 out of the 20 prop bets available, plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you're rewarded the points if you pick correctly. For example, will Andy Dalton throw for under or over 250 yards? With the less likely the prop is to occur, the more points your choice will be if you picked correctly. And you build your team score around the amount of correct props you will select. Available on any mobile device through Google Play and the App Store. Visit bit.ly slash thrive pulse and the number two and any new user who signs up and deposits using this promo code will double their initial deposit thrive fantasy play with your friends visit bit.ly slash thrive pulse two to double your first deposit bit.ly slash thrive pulse two thrive fantasy how about that opening, huh? Makes you want to stick around and see what I was talking about and everything? Yeah, drama, because people like drama, apparently. Anyway, hello and welcome back to the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. You can visit the leewmarrowin.com slash podcast and pick this podcast, whatever platform you want to listen to. Also, pulsepodcastnetwork.com the network home to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, and also visit the shop as there are two items you can now buy to support this local Sunday Sports Podcast. There's a t-shirt and there's a sweatshirt and probably a lot more on the way from yours truly. 
So go there and shop. I promise you that's probably a one-time thing. You know, the whole, hey, there's drama afoot. But we'll see. Anyway, the news is Preble Shawnee on their Twitter at PS Arrows have mentioned that they are indeed leaving the Southwestern Buckeye League. That's the SWBL. It was released on Twitter on March the 5th, and there is no official news of Prelishani joining a conference. There's no official, hey, we're going here. And what signs are pointing to is Prelishani will join the teams leaving the CCC, those 10, which include Twin Valley, South Tri-County, North National Trail in Preble County, and form a conference there. Your historical reference is the fact that Preble Shawnee, before coming to the SWBL, was in the cross-county conference for a couple years. They were one, I believe they were one of the founding members, and then they took off to join the SWBL. That was back in 1984. It's been a while. It's been a 35-year relationship with the Arrows out of Camden, Gratis, West Elton, and I think there's another village in there, but I can't think of it at the moment. But yeah, Preble Shawnee encompasses a lot of open area in southern Preble County. And the high school, they were talking about building a new high school. I forget if that passed or failed, but the high school is closer to Gratis, Ohio. It's just a stone's throw off of State Route 503, which is a big theme as we continue to talk Preble Shawnee joining a new conference. This won't happen until, I think, after next school year, which is when the CCC members are officially jumping ship. And conference shakeups are nothing new. It's been happening a lot this school year. Just to go over what's happened, well, the Fort Ancient Valley Conference all those moons ago, splitting up, that was a mega 18 school conference, split up into three divisions, and some of those schools went to the Southwest Ohio Conference, some of them created the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, and we'll get to that in a little bit, and the Greater Western Ohio Conference is splitting at the end of this year, some schools are staying put with the GWAC. Other schools are forming the Miami Valley League. There is no new news on what Trotwood Masson's going to do. I, At this point, I have to think that the Rams are going to have to be independent for a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I feel like I've also been talking a lot about high school conferences breaking up in the area as of late. I don't know if that's just me or me remembering correctly. So, the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, I mentioned, it's from the ashes of the FAVC back in the day. And now the ECC is adding Little Miami, so that starts up the Kings and Little Miami rivalry again. Little Miami, I think Mainville and Morrow are the two main areas for the Panthers. You might also remember Little Miami from making the playoffs in football this year for just the second time ever in school history and the first time since 1992 so yeah little miami's in and also witten woods and this 
This little tidbit makes me laugh because of the fact that when the ECC was formed, Witten Woods wanted to jump in. Witten Woods was told no, and what everyone said was travel, but Witten Woods thought it had more something to do with race because it is a mixed bag in Witten Woods area, which is south of Fairfield. It's right off, well, yeah, that's Witten Road. I was going to say that's Gilmore, that's South Gilmore, but no. That's not it. It's in that area. They're the Warriors, and they have some pretty dynamite teams. And I thought it was sad that Winton Woods couldn't get in. Now, Winton Woods is in the ECC. So there you go. There's a couple new tidbits on the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. The Cross County Conference, you might know. Again, 10 schools, including, I think, all the Dark County schools and Bradford and Newton, which are not in Dark County. They're Miami County. At least I think Bradford's Miami County. That might be dark as well. Anyway, and now this shakeup in the Southwestern Buckeye League. So before starting this episode, I was really looking forward to doing this, as you might hear from the opening I did. If you like it or you don't like it, you know, Twitter's at the Lee W. Mowen. Go ahead and tell me what you think. There's a thread... And it started January 30th of this year on Yappy.com. A very, very great message board for high school sports. They're talking about some of the Southwestern Buckeye League teams leaving. Uh, Preble Shawnee was mentioned as a possibility. Now it's turning out to be, you know, fact. They're also talking about Dixie. I mentioned that in the opening, too. Dixie is not official, but all signs are kind of looking that way. It's like, yeah, they'll probably jump ship. So tell you about the Southwestern Buckeye League. It is a 14-school conference as of today. And the bigger schools are part of the Southwestern Division. The smaller schools are part of the Buckeye Division. The Southwestern Division travels not too bad. I think the farthest west you have to go is Valley View between Farmersville and Germantown. The farthest south, Monroe, which is just a skip off 75. Or if you're Valley View, you can take Route 4 to 63 and it's right there. Uh, Franklin's not too bad either. It's just south 75 or if you're Valley View for 123, then 73. So travel is not bad. Bellbrook would be the farthest east and that's stay on 725. I mean, if you want to go through mall traffic, but, you know, who wants to do that? And Valley View, Bellbrook being, you know, the big rivalry. Why? Not sure. Both schools are kind of in the middle of nowhere, which is weird because Sugar Creek Township's part of the whole cornerstone project where a lot of stores are building up. Kroger with a new store. Cabela's has a store out there now. And... Yeah, Bellbrook used to have Cub Foods. That was back in the day. I miss Cub Foods. Anyway, the Buckeye Division, eh, travel gets a little hairy. In fact, I think someone actually calculated how long it takes uh, Buckeye teams to travel. Preble Shawnee would be your farthest west point. Middletown Madison's out there. Farthest east is Waynesville. You're talking almost going to Clinton County, which is Wilmington, if you're not sure where that is. I'm going to say a lot of town names, and I'm sorry if, you know, it's, if you're from outside the area, I'll try and make it, you know, 
I'll try to be nice and scribe if it's close or not. So, currently, numbers are driving minutes. This is from Milton Union to get to the league schools per Google Maps. Uh, someone did this by the user of Dograt, and this was just yesterday at 9 a.m. in the morning. So, for Milton Union, which is also a possibility of jumping ship, Dixie, which would be the closest Buckeye foe, is 30 minutes away. Milton Union is southern Miami County, southwestern Miami County, Union Township up in that area, West Milton. The farthest away for the Bulldogs, well, you got Middletown Masson, which is 52 minutes away. Then you have Waynesville being 56 minutes away. That's an hour drive for Waynesville, Spartans, and the Milton Union Bulldogs to meet up because it's not just you play. I mean, for football it is, but most of the sports, you play once there, you host them once type of thing. So yeah, it's something that I honestly never thought about, but that's a very solid point. Yeah, Milton Union's kind of far away. Waynesville's kind of far away. Milltown, Madison, and Preble Shawnee, well, they share State Route 122, so that's not awful. Milton Union Dixie was the one that surprised me. 30 minutes away, because that's Diamond Mill Road, and that's just east of Mil- uh, New Lebanon, excuse me. Take all that down, but then again, you have a lot of stops. You have to stop on U.S. Route 40. You have to make a couple stops on another few small roads. It's... It's not an easy drive. So, yeah, the Buckeye division, I mentioned that, you know, the Southwestern division has it fairly easy. Buckeye, not so much. You have about an hour drive from Milton Union and Waynesville. And Middletown Madison, for that matter. So, what they're bringing up is, what if Milton Union joined the staying CCC schools, which is Covington, Miami East, and Bethel, and what if you add Layman Catholic, Troy Christian, Riverside, and maybe even Northridge? Well, Northridge doesn't have time on there. That's North Dayton, and they say Ridge is a wash, so I don't know what that really means. Milton Union, driving minutes away from Troy Christian, 15. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But Troy and Milton Union, they're not too far apart. Uh, Layman Catholic, south of Sydney. At least I think it's south of Sydney. That's 31 minutes. That's not bad. Miami East is 28 minutes. Covington is 21 minutes. And Bethel is 26 minutes. Riverside on the other side is your long drive, and that's 54 minutes, which is in between Milltown, Mass, and Waynesville in, in terms of driving minutes. I mean, that's, that league wouldn't be too bad. I mean, you have the whole seven... Or six teams type of thing, but it's something to think about because the Buckeye division is more spaced out than the Southwestern division. Now, of course, Preble Shawnee is the only one saying, hey, we're jumping ship, and it's official. Now, with Preble Shawnee jumping ship, as we get back on target, the Arrows, their closest foe, if they do join the outlets of CCC, would be Twin Valley South, and it's just straight up 503. In terms of driving minutes, I don't know. I mean, my thing is, it's not a bad drive. 503 gets curvy, and then it straightens up a little bit before you get into West Alex. So, it's it's not a bad drive. It's, I'm guessing, 15 minutes. 
it, it does not take a long trip to get to Twin Valley South. Tri-County North, on the other side of West Alex and Lewisburg, eh, I'd say another 15 minutes, maybe 20, because 503, you know, again. So that's two foes right there. And you have history between Twin Valley South and Preble Shawnee, especially in boys basketball, where they the Arrows host their holiday tournament, and Twin Valley South has won the most titles in the history, and it's been going on for a long, long time. Tri-County North, that's pretty nice. National Trail, mm, you could take 122 up to Eaton, and then 35, and then there's National Trail, so that's not awful. That is about, I'm guessing, 35 minutes. So that's not bad. Then you take into account the, pre- the um, not the Preble County, that's the schools I just said. The Dark County schools, Arcanum's a, not too far from 503. You can get most of the way up there from that road. Uh, Tri-Village, you can take 503 up until 121 where it ends and go south. There's New Madison. Bam, there you go. The farthest drive for Preble Shawnee would be the northmost schools. Ansonia, your Bradfords, your Newtons. That would be, that would be your hike. But, then again, you know, it's not considering that your closest schools are literally just a couple minutes up on the major state route, it's not bad. Dixie is rumored. It is not confirmed yet that Dixie's gonna join this, but think about it this way too, because Preble Shawnee and Dixie aren't too far away either. You hang a right off five oh three to thirty five and then there's New Lebanon. It's about twenty minutes from West Alex to New Lebanon. Or 10 if you speed, which you shouldn't because Perry Township cops watch 35 like a hawk. So don't do that. Drive safe. Some friendly words from your friendly podcaster from Dayton, Ohio. But there you go. So if Dixie joins, you got Twin Valley South and Dixie right there too. That'd be Battle of U.S. Route 35. Tri-County North's not too far away. Travel Shawnee's not too far away. I mean, National Trail, that's that's a little hike on 35, but nah. I mean, considering Dixie and Waynesville, that's not too close to each other. I think the Greyhounds would be happy with a trip to National Trail compared to a trip to Waynesville. But that's just me. That's me kind of guesstimating how long it took me to get to those places. So, as of right now, the SWBL is losing one team in the Buckeye and possibly losing more. What would that do to the Southwestern Buckeye League? Well, if you're just losing Preble Shawnee and Dixie decides, eh, we'll stay put. Then you got you got six teams in the Buckeye, seven in the Southwest. I always thought, let's say this news of Preble Shawnee never occurs. Let's say the CCC does break up. I always thought it'd be nice if the Southwestern Buckeye League added a third division, and let's call it the smallest schools, which would be Twin Valley South, Utrecht County North, National Trail, have seven of those squads form their own allegiance in the SWBL, maybe do a little reshuffling, but I think three, three divisions of seven schools, that's not bad. I always thought that'd be probably the next step for Twin Valley South or Tri-County North or National Trail. And then you have the whole argument, well, if National Trail and Waynesville play, ugh, don't even want to think about that. National Trail's by Indiana. 
by the way. It's the, literally the last school district you drive through on U.S. Route 40 before you get to Richmond, Indiana. It, it's it's close to the state line. Whereas Waynesville, like I mentioned, you're... I think it's the last town you drive through before you get to Wilmington on 73. So it's, uh, it's a hike. Let's just say that. And if it's not over an hour, I'll be really surprised. So I always thought that would be kind of interesting. If you have crossovers type of thing, you know, focus the crossovers on the schools closest to each other, that wouldn't be bad. But now it's not happening because Preble Shawnee is jumping the boat. And now they're going to form a new... Okay, I, I promise I wouldn't do that outside the opening. There's a lot of drama in this episode, and I don't know why. I better stock up on soap. So, what will that do to Eaton? I mentioned that in the opening, too. Eaton's in the Southwestern. Preble Shawnee's in the Buckeye. However, the two are right next to each other on State Route 122. And we're not saying... We're, I'm the only one doing this podcast. I'm not saying that Eaton Preble Shawnee will never play each other again, because let's be honest, you have to have out-of-conference games, and there you go. That'd be a pretty nice one there. So, you know, I, I mean, you it's not going to really affect them. Let's be honest. Would Eaton ever consider joining the CCC? I doubt it, because Eaton is the biggest school district in Preble County. It's the biggest city in Preble County. It is the city in Preble County. I say like there's more than one city in Preble County. It's very rural, lots of farms, and, you know, Eaton's got pretty much everything, you know, that the rest of the Miami Valley has. Except, you know, Kmart because they closed. Makes me sad. Off topic, now Sears is completely gone from Miami Valley. They close they're closing actually they closed, sorry. They closed up the Upper Valley store. So now that mall has no anchors. Fun times. So quite common are the conference split ups. And I have to ask why? What has what's been the epicenter of oh hey, I'm jumping this conference. Let's go into another one. I'm trying to figure it out because, let, let's be honest, conference shakeups are nothing new. They've happened before. You've had conferences shut down. Let's take the Mid-Miami League back in the day, for example. The home of the Miamisburg Vikings, the Carroll Patriots, the Franklin Wildcats, the Monroe Hornets. That shakeup, I think it took Monroe a couple years to join the SWBO after that shakeup, but... Yeah, Monroe was on that. Franklin was on that. I think Franklin took less time than Monroe did to get into the conference. Some people were even talking about Franklin and Bellbrook leaving, which I don't see. I don't see it. I mean, Franklin Monroe, Franklin and Monroe, not to be confused with Franklin Monroe of the CCC, and totally not in between those two stops, promise. I, I feel like that's a package deal. If you want Monroe, you're going to have to take Franklin, because... They're similar in terms of demographics, size, and travel-wise, it's not bad on 75. It really isn't. So I don't see it. I don't... 
someone mentioned Bellbrook to the Southwest Ohio Conference, and that sounds fine and dandy all, but remember, Bellbrook's in Greene County, which is pretty far away from your Oxford Talawandas, your Northwest and the Colerain area. By the way, Colerain being Cincinnati, Bellbrook being East Dayton. So, yeah, that's more travel. I don't see it. I mean, I'm not saying that... I'm not saying if it happens, then, you know, well, that's stupid. Ah, I mean, I'll eat crow. I've been wrong before in this podcast, and I'll be wrong again. My whole purpose is to tell you, hey, local sports are happening because no one else wants to do that. So, there you go. Apparently, with all this shakeup, that Fort Loramie would be left out in the cold. They would be independent. Because I mentioned Milton Union joining some of the CCC stayers, which I still don't know who's keeping the CCC name. It'd be neither the, you know, staying schools would, but the, not the staying schools, the schools that were, you know, founders. The staying schools do have a point, though. They're like, we're not leaving the conference. Why should you take the name? So, there we go. So Fort Laurelbee might be independent in everything. That would be quite interesting. So, Preble Shawnee is indeed leaving. That is official news. And again, you can read the press release on Twitter, at PS Arrows. And I reshared the information from my cousin Eddie Mallon at the Registered Herald. So that's the halfway point. We'll have more Sunday sports topics for you after we take this breather here on the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com. I'll say it one more time. Marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com, and we hope to hear from you soon. We'll continue with part two of episode 88 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, in a moment. This is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Are you looking for something new in fantasy sports? The All Sports League is a 10-person online draft where you pick two full teams instead of players from eight different sports for a 16-team roster. It goes like this. If you get the first pick, would you go with the Golden State Warriors, pick the World Series defending Boston Red Sox, or head to the gridiron thinking that Clemson repeats or Alabama knocks them off? Online drafts start on June 16th, but spots are filling up quickly. Come check it out at allsportsleague.com. This is for listeners of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Use the promo code PULSE and the number one and get $10 off. Again, that's PULSE and the number one to get $10 off. 
Sign up today and get to work with your new challenge of learning the rules and creating your very own big board like never before. We'll see you there at allsportsleague.com. Promo code PULSE1. And welcome back to episode 88. Again, just to recap, Preble Shawnee is leaving the Southwestern Buckeye League after 35 years of partnership and signs are pointing that the Arrows were joining the exiting teams of the CCC like Twin Valley South, Tri-County North, and National Trail. Which, again, I think would be splendid in terms of having rivalries in the same county, but we'll see how things shake up for the Arrows out of Gratis, out of Camden, out of West Elton. I think Somerville might be the fourth village, but that might not be right. But there you go. Prevalshani is leaving. And now we turn our attention to something a little less dramatic. Motor City Madness. Room, room. It is the Horizon League Conference Tournaments, and the Wright State Raiders are playing for two championships today. That being Tuesday, March the 12th. The women Raiders will take on Green Bay at noon on ESPNU, and the men will take on Northern Kentucky at 7. For the Raiders, this is matchup number three between the Phoenix and the Norse. Let me just start off with how often is it that a school gets to take a regular season title, although for the men it is split with Northern Kentucky, that you get to take a regular season title and then have a chance to play for the championship. I haven't seen it a lot, and I think that's really cool that's happening at Wright State. Katrina Merriweather has a very solid squad of Raiders, but Green Bay's on the other side. Green Bay's streak of 20 straight regular season titles, either shared or one solely. Sololy? One solo. There you go. Sololy. Find out if that's a word or not, then get back to me. Anyway, with Green Bay, like I mentioned, 20 straight years of having a regular season title, whether it be shared or not, that got snapped. The Phoenix finished one game behind the Raiders, and Wright State broke that streak. So that's very special right off the bat. Whereas for Wright State, the men's basketball team has been strong for the last few years. Scott Nagy has done a great job at Wright State, coming off 20-plus years with South Dakota State and takes the Wright State job. He's done a phenomenal job with the Raiders. I mean, this is what? The second straight time the Raiders are playing for the title? I think Wright State, Northern Kentucky, that is going to be a barn burner. So if you have ESPN, watch it. If you don't, well, go on Radio 106.5 FM and you can listen to it that way. I will probably do that heading home from my baseball game today. And for the women, it is on ESPNU at noon. And Wright State took the home match with the Phoenix but fell in Wisconsin to the Phoenix. And now it's going to be a neutral court battle. Wright State came off a nice win over IUPUI. And Green Bay just edged out Youngstown State. The Penguins much improved. The women's basketball team almost made it to the title game, but the Phoenix were one point better. Whereas the Raider men, they got some nice revenge on Green Bay by dispatching them by 12 after falling at UWGB. That's University of Wisconsin Green Bay, their official name. And the Norse edged out Oakland, what 
was a very close game through and through. So it's Raiders Norse 1 versus 2, and for the women, it's Raiders Phoenix 1 versus 2. Very exciting, although one thing that did disperge me a little bit, discouraged me a little bit, was the fact that there was no one watching the Wright State game at Little Caesars Arena. Like I mentioned, the tournament's held in Detroit, and yeah, there wasn't a lot of people there. I still think that the best course of action is to host the tournament at the number one seed, which would be Wright State's Nutter Center. I think that that will bring a lot more people in. I mean, Detroit is home of the Oakland University Golden Grizzlies. They're more in the suburbs than the University of Detroit Mercy, which I think is south downtown. Someone from Detroit can, you know, tell me if I'm right or wrong on that, but I don't know. Little Caesars Arena, wonderful venue. There might be a couple of places that can't host a tournament because they're too small or other events, but I can tell you Nutter Center would be a perfect place for that. Same with BBNT Arena just across the Ohio River. So that is happening today, and looking forward to see if the Raiders can hoist not one but two trophies and head to the big dance. And now we talk about hoisting the ice hockey trophy. That's right. Ohio high school hockey is done. In the semifinals, Dublin Jerome punched in an overtime goal to be the first team from Central Ohio to play for the title. And the first team that is not from the north part of the state since 1979 when Centerville won the title. However, for Dublin Jerome, they ran into St. Ignatius. And the Wildcats handed the Celtics a 7-2 loss. Meaning that St. Iggy hoisted their fourth straight hockey title. And that caused a lot of outrage on social media. Because St. Ignatius... Well, we'll start off with Dublin Jerome. Dublin Jerome plays a tough schedule. They have the Capital Hockey Conference, which is all but two teams in Columbus, and then Moeller and Springboro. And that's that's a tough that's a tough league, especially considering that Olentangy Liberty is really close to Dublin Jerome's level. I mean, the two are like step by step, and they've been battling for the Blue Jackets Cup, the regular season title. They battle constantly, and that's always a great that's always a great game. Whatever the Olentangy Liberty Patriots and the Dublin Jerome Celtics play, whereas Saint Ignatius they play more. Of schools from around Canada, Pennsylvania. So they play a tough schedule. However, they don't have, I believe that they don't have like a league schedule like Dublin Jerome does. There's a lot of people angry that St. Ignatius got another title. And they're calling for, hey, maybe St. Ignatius can go play outside the, you know, state tournament for hockey type of thing. So there's a lot of anger on that, but congrats still go out to the Wildcats. Fourth straight title. That's impressive. And congrats go out to Dublin Jerome. Satisfying season. I know the trophy for state championship just out of reach, but you got to be proud. You're the first team from Columbus to represent the state title game. Which, to me, that's surprising because of the fact we're in 2019. The Blue Jackets have been around since 2000. I mean, you'd think that Columbus would have a team... They'll play for the title almost every year, you know, once the Blue Jackets got 
hockey going in Columbus and the Chillers and everything. No, Northern Ohio's been the king of high school hockey for, I think, since the sports induction into the OHSAA. Let's be honest. And like I mentioned, Centerville's still the only team to win a state title in hockey that's not in Cleveland or Toledo in that area. The only one. And that was back in 1979. And everyone once told me every high school had a hockey team. I'd really love to see that. Could you imagine Centerville Wayne? Could you imagine those games? I mean, I couldn't. Hey, just think. What if Twin Valley South had a hockey team? No, I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, I could picture that, but... Nah. So let's talk about more hockey. Before the ice hockey title... There was a senior all-star game, and I mentioned that last episode, who was going to play. Southwest defeated Northeast in a shootout 10-9. to And I think the deficit for Southwest was 3 or 5. I got this information from Mike Schemmel, the dad of Drew Schemmel, and one of my friends in the hockey season. We talk occasionally. Drew Schemmel had three assists. For one playmaker in that game, Josh Seabacher, both for Centerville. While he didn't register a point, the hockey flow was strong. And he's a defenseman, so it's if he did his job on the ice, there you go. And it's an honor that it's your last year, that's your last game, you're representing your area. And like I mentioned, Sunday area had nine peeps go to the senior game. And these stats are from Molar Ice Hockey. I want to say on Twitter at Mo Ice Hockey. Might be on Facebook. But hat trick for Drew Toten, special player for the Crusaders. One goal, two assists for Jordan Walter, another special player. Also really good soccer player, too, according to the Cincinnati Enquirer. One assist for Shea Black, and I was unable to find anything else. want to see what Luke Dinkins did for Alter. I mean... The captain of the Knights. Very special player. I couldn't find anything else. Matt Larkin was in that game as well. So, a congrats go out to the Southwest for taking down Northeast via shootout 10-9. to So, the Southwest picks up the senior All-Star game win. And one of the coaches for Southwest was Elliot Johnson of St. Xavier. So, that was very cool to see. And now we take our attention from ice hockey, which is completed for the 2019, uh, 2018-2019 campaign. This is 2019. Did you know that? And now we talk about the district champs for boys basketball. All these happened at UD Arena, and my friend Michael Hearn even tweeted at me that he heard my voice when the Flyers were playing baseball, and he was getting to UD Arena. So that was kind of cool. Your Division One district champs, the Bowler Crusaders, still going for that 26-0 record, being the first team since, I believe, the 1995 Zanesville Blue Devils. The Centerville Elks, who have won 17 in a row, quite the streak for Centerville. Lakota East and Springfield, that's your Division Ones. Again, Moeller, Centerville, Lakota East, and Springfield. Division Two, you got Trotwood, Madison, Northridge, and Aiken, who took down Alter in one of the days I had baseball at UD. That was the first game they played. Division Three, Versailles, who took down Twin Valley South and then went through a couple 
good teams to hoist the title. Stivers, Anna, and Purcell Marion, who knocked off National Trail in the district champ game. I was following along through that because how neat would it be to see National Trail hoist a district title. However, the Cavaliers on the other side were too strong for the Blazers. So congrats go out. Again, Division 3, Versailles, Stivers, Ann and Purcell Marion. And Division 4, you got Fort Loramie, Jackson Center, and Springfield Catholic Central. Congrats go out to all those teams. The fun is not over yet because regionals await next. And in fact, we'll tell you a little bit about the girls' brackets because I think the regional champions would happen very soon that's not what I wanted you can find all this stuff it's still easier to tell you to go to swdab.org although they're transferring over to the ohsaa.org website I'm trying to remember what I clicked to find everything I needed this is not great this is not great uh this is not great in terms of entertainment. And you thought all the drama was just in the conferences. No. And of course I find it right after I hit pause. Outstanding. Division 1, the Kettering region, looks like this. It is Mount Notre Dame representing the... Division 1, Region 4, Kettering Bracket. They knocked off Centerville, 70-63. And Mount Notre Dame has the Canton Regional winner on Friday, March 15th. And Mount Notre Dame will be the away team in that contest. Just out of curiosity, in that Canton Regional in Division 1, it is Glen Oak to the state semifinal. Hard to believe we're already getting close to Final Four. Division 2, Springfield. It is the Carroll Patriots knocking off the Franklin Wildcats 57-43. And Carroll will be the visiting team to the Barberton Regional winner. Which is, drumroll please, Akron St. Vincent St. Mary. And that will be Thursday, March 14th. I think all these games are at OSU. Now we move on to Division 3. Actually, what does that do? Ah, that's much easier, of course. It's the Waynesville Spartans. <laughs> I find something new all the time. Live podcasting. It's the future. Actually, it's not. 26-0, Waynesville and the Spartans have Doylestown, Chippewa, and the Chips at the Schottenstein Center. So, yes, it is at Ohio State. And that will be the 14th at 3 o'clock. And the winner of that gets Berlin Highland and Afrocentric out of Columbus. Afrocentric is 26-0 as well. The Nubians are, and they will represent Columbus. So expect a pretty big home crowd for the Nubians. Before we get to Division 4, because I'm mad at myself now that I didn't try it. Division 2, I mentioned Carroll versus Akron St. Vincent St. Mary. That's the 14th at 6. All these at the Schottenstein Center at the campus of Ohio State. The winner of that gets Thornville Sheridan versus Toledo Rogers. That's Division 2. And Division 1 looks something like this. Pull it up. Tell you that it's Mount Notre Dame versus Glen Oak. And the winner for the state title gets Pickerington Central or Notre Dame Academy out of Toledo. And lastly, it's Division 4 time. Pull it up. 
tell you that it's Minster and the Wildcats taking on Willoughby Cornerstone Christian. And that's the 15th at 1. Winner gets Audeville in the Big Green versus Shadyside. Nate Stidham covers the Big Green. Well, covered a couple Big Green schools as Michael Hearn did as well. That's a shout out to those gentlemen up there. And that's your look at the Final Four in all four divisions for girls basketball in the state of Ohio. Man, it makes me sad thinking that winter is gone. Except the fact, no it doesn't because that means warmer weather's on the way. And I don't have to wear like 70 billion different layers because I'm always cold. So there you go. Your district winners for boys basketball and girls basketball regional winners who's playing on the state semifinals. Next up is baseball. Now, we'll talk about college baseball next because it's a larger topic because, you know, I have my hand in two Division I programs as a public address announcer. Man, I can't, I can't believe the first week's already over, but I can't believe that the second week's just as busy. I mean, I mentioned today I got a game for the Dayton Flyers. They'll take on Eastern Michigan at 3. Free admission at Warner Field at DPNL Stadium. Come out and hear my voice. I mean, come out and watch a great baseball game. Dayton Flyers are much improved. And also, head coach Jason King picked up his, what was it, his 700 win as a head coach? Most of those with Franklin Pierce, Division Two. But still, that's really cool. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but there's a special tidbit for your ears as we'll talk about high school baseball at Fifth Third Field in Dayton. The first take was Fifth Third Arena, which, I mean, hey, indoor baseball, but a lot of fly balls will just hit the, off the ceiling, and there you go. It wouldn't be as fun. Before I talk about the high school baseball schedule at Fifth Third Field, the Dragons will start selling single-game tickets on Thursday at 10 a.m. Now, the roster, the roster of the Dragons isn't set in stone until the last week of March or a couple days before opening night, which, by the way, is the first Thursday of April. And the Dragons just released part four of the 2019 preview, and it's talking about shortstops already covering catchers, first baseman, and second baseman. And I probably shouldn't read this because I'm doing my podcast. I'll read it a little bit later, but... There you go. It's on DaytonDragons.com. And now we'll talk about high school baseball, which is always neat because high school baseball, most fields, you know, they're nice. They're, they they do what they need to do. They're baseball fields. But getting to play where minor leaguers play, that's, that's very special. And I think the Dragons have been doing that for almost their entirety in Dayton. Maybe couple years after putting on roots this year it's sponsored by mount st joseph university it's the 14th season so six years after setting in roots in dayton so a little bit off uh free admission you can come in just watch high school teams play and we'll start off with all the games on tap for yours truly Twin Valley South and Valley View are playing. Those are the two schools I went to. We'll start off with Sunday, April 7th. That's when high school baseball gets underway at Fifth Third Field. 
as Lincoln View takes on New Knoxville at 1, and at 4, it's Fairborn versus Edgewood, a battle of Fairborn versus Trenton, Ohio. Monday, April the 8th, at 4.30, it's Punix Tech taking on Stivers in the Battle of Dayton, and afterwards, it's Tippecanoe taking on Piqua in a G-Walk North battle. Actually, is that true? It's G-Walk North? I think it's American North now. And soon to be Miami Valley League. Let's add that. Tuesday, April the 9th, we have the Harrison Wildcats coming up from the Cincinnati area. Take on the Lebanon Warriors at 4.30, Tuesday, April 9th. And 7 o'clock is Spencerville against Liberty Benton. Friday, April 19th, we'll have Mississinawa Valley taking on Northwestern. And afterwards, another CCC battle. And Friday, April 19th at 7, as Franklin Monroe takes on Arcanum in the Battle of State Route 49. Because Arcanum's on the west end of 49, Franklin Monroe's on the east end. There you go. Two closest schools there. And that rivalry stays put when they make the jump out of the CCC, which is nice. It's a great rivalry. Saturday, April 20th, you'll have the Springboro Panthers take on Lancaster. I know other places it's Lancaster, but it's Lancaster in Ohio. Promise. Lancaster, Springboro, 1 o'clock, Saturday, April 20th. And at 4 o'clock, you got the Battle of National Trail and Valley View. I know April 20th I won't be there because I believe the Raiders softball team plays. I don't even know what my schedule is. If it wasn't marked on the calendar on the fridge, I would forget everything. Let's put it that way. Monday, April 22nd, you got Layman Catholic taking on Dayton Christian. And 7 o'clock has Versailles in Fort Loramie. Tuesday, April 30th, you have Springfield versus Wayne in a G-Walk battle and a Southwestern Buckeye League battle between Dixie and Milton Union at 7 o'clock. And we flip into the month of May. West Liberty Salem, which has a hyphen in the wrong place, is not West Liberty. It's West Liberty Salem because West Liberty is the town and Salem is the township. At least I believe that's right. The WLS Tigers have Mechanicsburg at 4.30. And in another incorrectly placed hyphen, Twin Valley South doesn't even need a hyphen. It's the Twin Valley area in South... Wednesday, May the 1st at 7, Preble Shawnee takes on Twin Valley South in a possible new conference tilt. But right now it's non-conference as Shawnee's in the Southwestern Buckeye League, South in the CCC. And this... Battle has happened before at Fifth Third Field, and I still don't know why there's a hyphen between Twin and Valley. There's no hyphen. It's the Twin Valley area representing Twin Creek, and it's south because there used to be Twin Valley. I'm getting too far in this. I'm sorry. Wednesday, May 1st, I just mentioned those games. Thursday, May 2nd, the Springfield versus Middletown, the second trip for the Wildcats at Fifth Third Field. They'll take on the Middies, and at 7 is Springfield Shawnee. Versus Beaver Creek. Saturday, May 4th, wraps up high school baseball at Fifth Third Field as Lima Sr. comes in against Elida. Elida? Elida? And then it's Covington versus St. Henry to wrap up high school baseball. Wow. That's a lot of great games. There's always a lot of great games at Fifth Third Field in terms of high school baseball. And I love the fact that they reach out to the high schools and they get to play, and it's free admission. There's a couple concession stands open. You can watch. You get the Dragons treatment where, you know, the green team's out there. 
but baseball, it's out there, and yours truly will run the scoreboard, maybe even announce if some of these schools don't bring announcers, which would be nice. But I'll be there for most of them. I think there's a handful of days I can't make. I know I can't be there April 20th for Trail and View, nor Lancaster or Springboro. But I'll be there for most. I'll try to tweet as much as I can through there. But if you are a high school coach or a high school administrator and you want to see your baseball team there for 2020, there is contact information. Again, go to DaytonDragons.com and then go to Schedule, and there's your high school baseball schedule there. And it's sponsored by Mount St. Joseph University this year. 20th year is Dayton Dragons in Ohio, coming over from Rockford, Illinois, uh, part of the Rockford Reds when Cincinnati took it over, then moved the team down here. It's a nice addition to the Gem City. So that's your high school look, high school baseball look. And now it's time to talk a little college baseball. College baseball starts in February. Most of the Northern teams have to head down south or down west or play in a bubble somewhere, which I'm surprised there aren't more bubbles around the area. But that's another topic for another time. As I got to see the first three home games for the Flyers and the, what would that be, the third home game for the Raiders. So we got off on Thursday with the Flyers hosting Purdue-Fort Wayne and it made me sad to see their new jerseys, the Macedon's new jerseys, because of the fact that before reclaiming the Purdue part of their school name, they had Fort Wayne jerseys. They were just known as the Fort Wayne Mastodons, and I thought that was a great thing. It's Fort Wayne, Indiana. It represents Fort Wayne. Those jerseys are sweet. And it was Fort Wayne in a Dodger-like cursive. And you can see the jerseys. These new ones, uh, <laughs> shiny pale gold with uh, gray, and it was very tough to see the numbers. Yeah. But the Flyers... They took down Purdue-Fort Wayne 9-3, a very satisfying game for UD. And then the next day, Friday, the Flyers fell to the Ohio Bobcats 4-2. And then Saturday fell to Canisius 2-1. Saturday was played at 9.30 in the morning. Originally, it was supposed to be a doubleheader starting at noon. And it turned out that there was a wicked storm that went through Dayton. And luckily, it did not bump us away from Sunday baseball. Originally, it was supposed to be UD playing Wright State at Nishwood Stadium that Sunday at 3 o'clock, and then Ohio Canisius played at Wright State one more time at 11. But it turned out that UD welcomed in Canisius for a doubleheader. The Flyers did sweep that DH from Canisius after falling 2-1 to one that Saturday. And the Raiders ended up hosting Ohio for one. Raiders got a 3-2 win over Canisius the same day... Dayton fell to Ohio 4-2, and then Wright State took care of Ohio 13-0 the same day Dayton fell to Canisius 2-1. Dayton bashed the Golden Griffins 17-13, and then 6-2 the doubleheader closure, whereas Wright State picked up a very solid 12-1 win over Ohio that Sunday, the game I was PAing. First off, it's great to be back in college baseball. It'd be much nicer when we can open up the windows and enjoy the nice warm air. 
Sunday was quite windy, and the Raiders took that win to their advantage, hit three home runs towards 844, and picked up the 12-1 win there. That first game for Dayton Kanisha started at 11, and we didn't start till 1, and that didn't, that first Dayton game didn't end until we were in the 7th inning of Wright State, Ohio that Sunday. The second game went much quicker, but... Yeah, it's it's great to be part of both Division One programs. For UD, it's my seventh year as the PA voice. For Wright State, it's my fifth as a PA voice because I don't do all the games. UD comes first because it's my oldest employer of the two. So I share duties with Wright State and UD. Well, I have to miss three home games because of a couple of schedule changes, but that's okay, as long as everyone's flexible type of thing. Seeing the improvements they made at DPNL Stadium, it, it's quite spectacular. It, it makes it feel home sweet home for the Flyers. The outfield walls are navy, with the red being the line, and the red numbers say how big DPNL Stadium is. I think it's fantastic. They've done a very nice job. And... Chuck, the groundskeeper, the hardest working groundskeeper I know in the Dayton area, done a fantastic job. The only complaint is the grass isn't green, and that's because it's still winter. So, you know, nothing anyone can do. But I can't wait to see that grass nice and green for baseball. Wright State's Nishwood Stadium, all turf except the pitching mounds and the bullpen mounds, which helps with groundskeeping. Also helps when, you know, we have weather. And unless it's something pretty dire, you still play. So, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back to college baseball. It's nice to be back PA announcing. It's just nice to be back. So, I I, I thoroughly enjoy doing college baseball. And college softball, Wright State starts next week with a triple header. Flyers Bowling Green at 2. Flyers Raiders at WSU at 4.30. And then Raiders and Bowling Green seven I think so triple header be my first triple header for softball now I think about it actually no I take that back well it would be but I did four games in one day at UD once so there you go so a little bit of college baseball and a little bit of college softball and a little bit country and a little bit rock and I dreamed I turned everyone into the Osmonds anyone get that reference yet now good so we will talk about Sinclair as well the Tartan Pride play at Athletes in Action in Xenia which considering their downtown Dayton campus that stinks because that travel is 35 is not fun past North Fairfield Road that is not a fun road to travel especially since no one knows how to drive in Dayton but it is a nice facility and Sinclair They've done a really good job with their program. Coach Steve Dineman. This Tartan Pride team, by the way, number two. Not in conference. Not in the state. Not in Greene County. In the country. St. Clair's number two in the country. That is... That's boss. And this year for the Flyers, we have Eddie Persinger, who's now second baseman, coming in as the first baseman. It, it It's nice when you see... Sinclair and other community colleges' talent drip into other programs. For the longest time, Northern Kentucky used the Sinclair pipeline. I'm not sure if they have any new Tartans coming in. But yeah, Sinclair 9-2, 8 in a row for Sinclair. 
and the Tartan Pride coming off a sweep of Kellogg at home. And no, their name is not anything serial-related. I checked. It's the Bruins. The Kellogg Bruins. Couldn't be like the Kellogg Flakes, the Kellogg, you know, battling elves or something like that. Not everything has to be serial-related, I know. But there you go. Sinclair won 7-1, 3-0, 5-0 in that three-game set with Kellogg. And now Macomb will come in today in Xenia to take on the number two Tartan Pride. Nine and two, eight straight wins. Yeah, Coach Dinneman's got himself a great program. So definitely check out the Flyers, check out the Raiders, and then check out Sinclair. Not necessarily in that order. Go check out college baseball, especially when it gets warm because the sun feels nice and it's not cold and you don't have to wear 70 different layers. I mentioned college softball, and now it's time for a little more dramatic. Actually, first we'll start with the positives. Columbus Crew picked up their first win on the year, 2-0 at New England. And I always laugh at the fact that you have one of the strongest NFL owners, Robert Kraft, who, yes, is in some hot water with that whole spiel in Florida. We're not really talking about that. You probably already know more than I do. But you turn around, you look at the MLS team. New England has... They haven't had anywhere near the amount of success the Patriots have. They shared Gillette Stadium, although the Revolution were looking... I forget where. I think it was like South Boston near a river or sea were for a soccer facility for the Revolution, and nothing's panned out. It's just... You look at the Patriots, and you think, wow, what a program. Then you look at the Revolution like, wow, you're still existing. And... and I don't know. And plus... You know, a lot of people don't like the Revolution logo. I think it's fine. I mean, it's it's not the best out there, no. But it's... I've seen worse logos. And I like the name Revolution, too. You know, New England. You know, historical reference. I'm pretty sure you could piece that up. But, no. The crew, who are not moving to Austin, Texas. Thank you very much, Precourt, for failing. Now, go Silverweight Austin. So the crew are now one win, one tie on the young MLS season. And FC Cincinnati, they gave up an early goal at Atlanta, but then came back, tied it up in the 76th minute, and took their first MLS point at a very tough place to play, Atlanta United, who had over 70,000 butts in those seats. Not 7,000, 70,000. Yeah, Atlanta United's got themselves quite the fan base. As is we do in Columbus and Cincinnati. I'm not trying to say, oh, we don't. But, you know, you're playing in... FC Cincinnati's schedule is just brutal right off the bat. You're playing at Seattle. That was a 4-1 loss to the Sounders. You're playing at Atlanta. And, I mean, two... <laughs> Atlanta United's the defending MOS champ. And you're playing them in your second game. So FC Cincinnati's building some muscle. And second MLS goal also for FC Cincinnati as well. And now we come to the dramatic part. So, throughout this podcast, you know I try to tell you how you can catch these teams because it's important to follow along when you don't have the money or you can't make it. I mentioned the radio station, and I tried it for the Seattle game. No, I couldn't pick up 1480. Again, I mean, I was in Springfield. I tried it closer to town, but 
no, I couldn't pick it up. So tune in is probably my best option. And also, if you're in the Cincinnati area, Star 64 has all the games. Well, <laughs> there is a new regional streaming partner in town, and his name is Flow Sports. Flicks the share star on the chest. So Flow Sports has a deal with DC United. And as you probably already know, if you're a soccer fan, they didn't do so hot in the first game that DC United tried to watch. And DC United sent a release that we're going to make sure this never happens again. Well, when the news broke the 11th of March yesterday at 11.30, I'm going through, there is no one, and I mean no one, out of at least... 30 replies that are positive about this. And from Professor underscore butts, you know, the most educated <laughs> response there, actually the one that's not a gif and is, you know, a negative gif. So if you're a person who lives outside the antenna radius of Cincinnati, which Dayton hit or miss, you can pick up some, but not a lot. If you're outside the antenna radius, radius of Cincinnati, but still within the blackout region and for ESPN Plus, your only option is to use Flow Sports. That means Dayton and Lexington are part of this. And on the notes I have, I've done a little research and found out, according to the Better Business Bureau, against Flow Sports Incorporated, there are 134 complaints against this company from Austin, Texas. And yes, there was also someone saying, what is it about Austin, Texas trying to destroy Ohio soccer? Hmm, good question. But this is a company trying to overtake ESPN. 134 complaints closed in the last three years. 55 complaints closed in the last year. Most of these are billing and collections. And that's based on the fact that, yeah, you can you can charge per month. Nope, it's a year basis. So saying you can, I think it's like 12 bucks a month. But on the other side, you're paying that rate one lump sum per year. So I think that's 150. The latest, uh, re- the latest complaint is from March the 2nd. This is a company that doesn't just do soccer. They do all sorts of stuff. Uh, via Flow Wrestling, very misleading streaming subscription offer. Plans from 12 and a half bucks per month. So it's not 12, it's 12 and a half. Cancel anytime. And you try to go register it. And it will charge you 150 bucks paid yearly. So, no, you're not getting charged $12.50 per month. Also heard that the quality is not great. Which, if you're the only way to watch a team, you better make sure your quality is your top strength. And apparently it's not. Like I mentioned, DC United fans are not too happy with that as well. And they're uniting with FC Cincinnati fans, saying... I'm sorry. I mentioned the crew has FSN Ohio, which I think is superb. But now FC Cincinnati now has to go with Flow Sports. Again, 134 complaints. 55 in the last year. Like I said, I, I'm I'm still going through the the Twitter replies. Nothing positive on this news. Nothing. And yeah, 
it's it's not good news. Someone mentioned that the zip code shows that Dayton and Bellbrook should use ESPN Plus, but it's in the Orange Flow FC area, which is the service that Flow Sports uses to bring FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, and now, Hangar 937, the FC Cincinnati supporters group in Dayton, they have watch parties at Dayton Beer Company downtown. Now it's $30 per month. And this isn't just, oh, you can pick a game. It's not a pay-per-view service. So, no. You have to you have to charge it yearly. And there's people complaining that they can't cancel and the, their card is still being charged. Which, yeah, that's not great as well. So, yeah, looking through this, there's not a fan that's like, yay, Flow, Flow Sports Incorporated, hooray. Yeah. It blacked out YouTube TV's Star 64 stream, blacked out ESPN Plus's stream, and now you're stuck behind a bigger paywall. This is from user KG0RT. Yeah. People don't like this news, and I, I can't blame them. I mean, personally, I'll probably just use TuneIn or try to get the radio working if I'm ever near Cincinnati. But that's just me. People want to watch the games. I respect that completely. You want to see the action. Now it's a little bit harder to do that if you're an FC Cincinnati fan. I mean, if you're in Cincinnati, Star 64 is there. I don't think you have to worry about that. If you're outside Cincinnati and you don't get Star 64, I mean, uh, yeah. Welcome to Flow Sports. Read everything carefully. Then use uh, Better Business Bureau in case you do have complaints against them. So yeah, a little bit of uh, dramatics there. The complaints, again, I mentioned quality and not being completely truthful on the rates. Cancellations, rates, quality, customer service, not being able to just watch one event. And this is also... This is also the same company that charges people to watch a track meet where the NCAA is giving out a free stream. (laughs) We're talking... Most people don't like the NCAA because, you know, decision and everything. You you have your own thoughts about that. They offer a free stream for a track event and then Flow Sports is like, hey, hey, would you like to pay money for this? I have no idea what that noise was, by the way. I just hear this noise. Hopefully it didn't go through the thing. Like I mentioned, regional locks are a real thing. So if you're outside Cincinnati, if you're in Dayton, Lexington, you got to watch Flow Sports. It's 30 bucks a month if you don't charge the yearly rate or 12 and a half, whatever it was. Yeah. Um... I don't know what to say on that. It, it there, Like I mentioned, there's not a soul out there that really likes this news. And I'll go back to one of the tweets that I retweeted from DJ Switzer. I believe that's his last name, Switzer. He's one of the co-hosts, co-hosts with Jeremy Lance on Wrong Side of the Pod. Really, really smart uh, soccer podcast. There's a recommendation for you out there. If this will ever load again, I could tell you what he tweeted. 
There was two tweets I retweeted from him. Uh, one was just about, hey, Flow Sports, now the regional streaming partner of FC Cincinnati. And the other one was the orange map. This map is pretty large, considering what area it covers. Go through there. The map covers the Miami Valley. And it looks like Van Wert County doesn't get to Allen County. At least I believe that's Allen County. It goes to the county east of it. That might be Hancock County. It covers Clark, Champaign, Logan counties. It's got Preble County in there, Dark County, Butler, Warren, Clinton, much of the Cincinnati area. It goes into Indy. It covers Wayne, parts of Randolph, about halfway through Randolph. Most of, is that Henry or Hancock County? I don't know which. That might be Muncie. Union County. So pretty much Miami Valley is covered in the Flow FC map. Down south, it reaches almost all the way to Tennessee. So yeah, Flow FC. You have to pay 30 bucks a month or 150 per year to tune into the team's regular season matches. If you're not in Cincinnati. It includes Dayton, Lexington, Louisville, which <laughs> makes me laugh. I mean, going back a few years, Louisville City FC and FC Cincinnati, biggest rivals. Dude didn't like each other. Hmm, funny that. It does not cover Indianapolis. It's close, but not quite. And I want to say Chicago Fire has Indianapolis in their market, I think. And also Indy trying to Bring the 11 to MLS. They're still talking about soccer stadium plans. That'd be cool. Cincinnati, Indy, Chicago, 74 battle. I dig that. Well, that'd be 65, but you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, there is not a lot of positives on this from FC Cincinnati fans. Flow Sports started by two brothers trying to overtake ESPN, which I get, but at the same time, there's 134 complaints against the company. And this deal is good for this season and 2020. So, there you go. Just do what I do. Listen to it on radio. I mean, I think Tom does a very nice job. Tom Gallagher. Tommy G, we'll call him. Because I actually don't know how to say his last name. Um... He does a nice job, so I think listening on radio, you'll be able to paint the picture in your own head. And for me being a radio head, you know, <laughs> not the band, sorry. For me being someone that loves radio sports broadcasts, means not a big deal. And no, I'm not going to buy the package for Flow Sports. I'm just not. So there you go. A little bit more drama. This is very drama-laced today in this episode. And if you don't like that, I'm I'm sorry. But I didn't mean to make it so dramatic. I didn't know. I didn't know you'd turn away. Lastly, we'll close off with some positive news. The Women's Premier Soccer League schedules are out. And Dayton and the Cincinnati Sirens have those released. It's 10-game season. Five at home, five away. The women of the Dutch Lions of Dayton... Well, open up at home on May 18th against Ann Arbor FC Lumberjills. That'll be a 4 o'clock game Saturday. That's a doubleheader. 
And then the Dutch Lions will host Columbus on the 25th of May. The Sirens on June 15th. The Cleveland Ambassadors on the 18th of June. And Detroit Motor City, June 23rd. You can find all this at ddlfc.com. Eric Kissinger will be the head coach of the women's squad. And it's Dan Grice, his second year with DDLFC as the men's coach. There will be three doubleheaders, which I think is more bang for your buck. Uh, the May 18th, May 25th, and June 15th games will be doubleheaders. So you can catch all that, ddlfc.com. And definitely come out to West Carrollton High School's Dock Stadium. Wonderful pitch. And... You might hear a familiar voice out there. I don't know. I'm hoping so. Because I love announcing soccer. Most people around here say that soccer's boring, but it's it's really not. And I'll, I'll tell you my personal reasons on that. If you're not expecting a whole lot of goal scoring, you're, it's more a battle of the possession. Which, yeah, doesn't really battle for points. But you, you have the physicality down there. I I personally think that it's a great sport. And if you've never seen a soccer match, come out. Enjoy it. So now we'll talk about the Cincinnati Sirens schedule. Cincinnati Sirens FC. They play at Lakota West High School. So for the Dutch Lion fans that want to make the trip, it's Saturday, June 15th. Dayton at Cincinnati. The Sirens schedule looks like this at home versus the Columbus Eagles. If you remember last year, the Sirens had to forfeit that game and Columbus wanted 3-0 because no trainers were present. It was very unfortunate. But Cincinnati versus Columbus, Sunday, May 19th at 7. Oh, that's an away game. Ooh, let's try that again, shall we? Wow, I feel like a dum-dum. Home opener is Saturday, May 18th at 7 against the Cleveland Ambassadors at Lakota West High School. And then Saturday, June the 1st, the Ann Arbor Lumberjills make the trip to Cincy. The next home game won't be until June 22nd. That's Saturday against Motor City FC. And then Dayton... At home, well, I mentioned the Dayton game against Cincinnati. <laughs> okay, the green, the light green color, the lima green color is the away games. The silver ones are home. Got it. Wow. The Dayton at Cincinnati game is Saturday, June 29th at 7. And Columbus at Cincinnati is July 6th, that's Saturday, at 7. I always wonder why Cincinnati Dutch Lions didn't form a women's team. Then you think, oh yeah, the Sirens are... I don't think they're directly tied in, but there you go. Sirens FC. They're more tied in with the indoor team, the Cincinnati Swerve. Which I do need to find some updates on that. We'll talk about that next week. This is already an hour and 18 minutes. Wow. That was just me trying to fold the map. I'm sorry, that was me trying to find out what was home and what was away. You can find that by going to Cincinnati Sirens website or on social media. I think on Twitter it's Sin Sirens FC. That will do it. That's episode 88. Once I go 88 minutes talking local sports, you're going to see some serious stuff. Which I think is a little bit further than this, but I don't have any more material. Nor did I plan anymore. I didn't think it was going to be this long, to be honest. It's one of my longest episodes I've done that's not an interview. So there you go. 
talked a little bit about the Preble Shawnee saga. We talked a little bit about college basketball heading into the madness of the month. Just so I don't get my butt sued. Podcaster that doesn't make money from this. Talking about college softball coming back. Talking about college baseball. Again, those fans out there come out to DPNL Stadium. The Flyers have Eastern Michigan today at 3. And tomorrow, Ohio at 3. And Rice State will host Toledo at Nishwood Stadium tomorrow, the 13th at 3. So come out, see local college baseball, support local Sunday sports. As all these teams are vying for your attention, your fanship, and everything in between. This is episode 88 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. I guess there is one more thing. I touched up on this earlier in the episode, like really early. And for those of you that have stuck around this whole time, thank you. But go to PulsePodcastNetwork.com and then click on Shop. I'm not doing this at the same time I'm telling you to do it. And you can pick out gear from your favorite podcast. If this happens to be your favorite podcast, thank you. Right now it's in uncategorized, but there is a shirt available for 20 bucks, a sweatshirt for 30 and you can have your very own local Sunday sports shirt. And maybe down the line I will... Have a giveaway of some sort. That's if I get money, though. So, there we go. Just a second. Episode 88. We're getting 12 episodes away from episode 100. And in July, it'll be two years of doing this podcast. Stats are growing, which tickles me pink. It, it's very nice to see. It's very nice to see this grow. I started this because I was tired of either having a station with no local sports on it whatsoever until dragon season or having you know people talk about Ohio State football when I don't care about Ohio State football and nothing talked about local sports that's why I started this podcast and I feel like this has become the source of local sports because I see a lot of local media talk about Ohio State football and you know what I don't care so this this podcast is for people that care about Cincinnati or Dayton sports. I guess there is one more thing to talk about, and it is PodCoin. You saw that I tweeted and shared it on Facebook, but PodCoin is an app where you can listen to your podcast and you can make some money off it. You can check out the point the PodCoin app, the Point app for short, the PodCoin app available on the App Store or Google Play then you can search the Gem of the Queen's Crown the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast if you use the code CINCI, spelled with two I's not a Y, C-I-N-C-I Sports, you can get 300 PodCoin points and it pays you, you can get gift cards and goods as many podcasts as you listen to, the more podcasts you listen to, the more coin you get And the more coin you get, the better stuff you can pick up and have. So there you go. You can earn low money yourself by listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And now time for some more drama. Well, it turned out that FC Cincinnati just did all this since like April Fool's. But it's not April Fool's yet. Will it turn out that I am really an Ohio State fan? No. I'll spoil it right now. No, it won't. But this has been episode 88 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, where, except this episode, 
No drama awaits your ears. And we'll talk to you next week for episode 89. We'll talk to you about what Rice State did in the championship games, maybe a little March Madness, how the Flyers did in the A-10 tournament, and much, much more. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Pulse Podcast Network. Keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.